This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined in the shed by Matt to Rumpets. How's it going there, Matt? It's going fine. It's so nice to be talking to people in a chat room again. I have missed it. I'm just busy saying hi to everybody. We took a full week off of broadcasting, of doing our live streams. Normally, you and I, we speak every couple of days. And I said, no, I've got to have a, a chill out. I've got to have a rest, had a, a nice staycation at home with the kids. But it does mean that, you know, when we go back to the mics, there's some cobwebs to, to, to wipe away. And we don't normally have that. We never have a chance. That's true. So this kind of makes us like Formula One drivers. Then when they finally get back into the cars is just to like a little bit of rust to knock off the sides before it gets fully back up to speed. Yeah. And do you know what I thought would be brilliant after a full week off of broadcasting of any kind? I thought that it would be good to make it a bit more stressful by having a whole new untested hardware setup uh, to, 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 that hasn't seen action and throw that all in the mix as well. Yeah, this is starting to sound like a lot of bad decisions I made in my mid to late 20s. Well, I don't know. I can hear you. You can hear me. I, I think the chat room can hear us, so it's being recorded. You might notice that we sound just a little bit different. I've tried to be conservative, but we're going through some changes in the shed. Long term, it will be good. Short term, results may vary, but you, you might notice uh, some difference to our voices depending on what device you're, you're listening you're listening on. So Matt, even though I took a week off, uh, our mixing desk here and some of our audio equipment decided to just, you know, die on us. And it's like as if we were a two-man uh, carpentry team and our van died. You can't live without your van. Uh, we can't live without our studio equipment. 
Yeah, that's that's always bad timing when that happens because you never want to change anything once you've got it working well enough. It was working so well. We were in a nice, comfortable rut, but we were forced to spend money on on new gear because we can't function without it. But it, it has been a blessing in disguise. So we have made an upgrade in the shed instead of just replacing the gear we had. And I think all of that is going to make us uh, more marketable. Um, it's going to make radio syndication of Missed Apex and of Remain Indoors more of a realistic aim. And it's also going to improve uh, my voiceover and audiobook work. So it should be a revenue generator, but an investment like that, none of it would be possible without our fantastic patrons. So thank you very much to you guys for supporting us. And bear with me, it's going to take me a while to get used to all the buttons here. Uh, I, I feel like it's going to be better in the long term, but at the moment... I feel like a monkey in a jet fighter. Uh, It will be better in the long term, I promise. But these are part of the joys of being an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. And there we go. There's our first hiccup, which is that my video bumper doesn't have any sound with it. Curse you, new setup. We are joined by Chris Stevens. Hi, how's it going, Chris? Hey, Spanners, it's going pretty great. We've had uh, more esports action over the weekend that I've had to thoroughly enjoy. It's amazing, isn't it? Because, you know, whilst people are thinking, oh, there's no motorsport happening, you working in PR, really, you've been busier than ever. Yeah, it's it's amazing, really. I did not expect us to be even busier, especially when a lot of our clients are doing absolutely nothing at the moment. But the ones who are, are doing a fair bit. Have any of your clients been sacked for cheating or being racist? Uh, no, none. They're all they're all good, good boys and girls. So far, they've all been good. So far, oh, so far. Can't and wait. If, well, look. If if they do, you'll never find out about it. Can't wait for that's your, how good I am. Can't wait for your first scandal, Chris. I'm going to unearth it and reveal the secrets and. Uh, What better time to have our next guest in than when we've been absolutely flooded with team news and business news. It is ex-Lotus F1 CEO, Matthew Carter. Mr. Carter, welcome. Hi, how are you all? I I nearly went with Matty C. Here's here's Matt. No, but I didn't. I stuck. I stayed formal, Mr. Carter. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. And I found out today that you're not just an ex-F1 CEO, but you're actually the president of a company, and that is super-duper impressive. Almost as impressive as being president of a country. But yeah, it's just a company. God, that must be so cool. Do you just say that all the time? Hi, I'm Matthew Carter. I'm president of a country, of a, of a company. It's, it's, no, it's a North American thing. It's just like being a managing director or Aww. a CEO. It's, it's, the same, it's, the same, it's the same position. It's just a, it's just a wording difference. Okay, well, I mean, it's still not unimpressive. Thank you. So all I strive for is your approval, Spanners. Hooray! Well, you have it. I, I want to ask you uh, a question right off the bat, because uh, last time you were on, you were, you were talking a little bit about Bernie's involvement behind the scenes. And I don't think we ever got a, a good answer. But since you and I had a brief chat about it uh, in the intervening times, from your point of view, do you have any insight into whether Bernie Eccleston is fully out of the hunt with F1. Because he popped up into the headlines, obviously having a baby at a thousand years old, but yep. he's constantly seems to be lurking around the backgrounds. People are still asking him for his opinion, which he still seems to have, and he still actually owns part of the stake. Is the Bernie era definitely fully over? 
Uh, well, the, the simple answer is I would say the burn year is definitely over. I mean, he's 90 years old now, so I can't see him having the, the drive or the or the want to come back into the into the into the fold on a full time basis. He is still technically he is chairman emeritus of um, Formula One management, Liberty, um, the, the the company that runs Formula One. Um, and he still owns the racetrack in Brazil. And he still obviously has uh, has a lot of. Um, I spoke to him two weeks ago, and he still has regular regular discussions with team bosses and drivers and he does. promoters. I think he's still a go to person, um, especially in, in in the current times. I think there's a lot of people that are maybe reaching out to him for his help and assistance. So you know, and does he have that desire? The desire to give that help and assistance, and it, it, you know, it, it, it's easy to kind of go. Oh, you know, is he there still, you know, pulling some strings in the background? Yes, I'll give you help and assistance, but it benefits my master plan. I don't, th- I honestly don't think so. I think he's, his master plan has, uh, has been done. And I think he's, he's moved on from that. But in answer to the question, I think he really does enjoy giving um, advice and, and help to people. I mean, I called him up, uh, I recall requested a call with him and and he called me back and we what I thought was going to be a 10 minute conversation turned into an hour conversation and he was okay. very he was very chirpy about about lots of things um but honestly I think I think he's at an age now where it, it wouldn't really make sense for him to jump back into the fold on a full-time basis well certainly there there is there's probably a lot of parties out there that could do with Bernie style advice and and thank you for agreeing to come on this week because all the news stories really do fit into your wheelhouse don't they with you know, the movements in not just the driver market that we had a couple of weeks ago, but now it almost feels like F1's got an existential crisis with nearly half the grid uh, looking for buyers or having their future in doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, this, um, the times that we're in have really, have really affected the, uh, the F1 teams. And, and I think in the, in the in the wider in the wider world, it's more the, the car manufacturers and the announcements from McLaren and Renault uh, road cars aside from their F1 teams is 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 fairly uh, is fairly damning on the on the industry in general. It's like silly season for the teams at this point. Uh, I'm just curious. I mean, you ran one of these teams for a while. How how common was it for someone just to rock by your office and say, "Oh, by the way, if you're planning to sell anytime soon, I have an offer for you." Or is this really unusual to be hearing about all this in the press now? Um, well, I think I, I, I think I've been pretty open in the past in that uh, there are there are always people. We'll call them characters for the sake of the uh, the podcast. There are always characters in and around F one that are interested in in getting involved and, and becoming part of the circus, um, and that applies to potential purchases as, as well as sponsors. Um, and you saw the, uh, the the debacle with Rich Energy and, and potentially with Rocket, which I think we'll get onto a bit later on. But um, there are always people, and I think as a as a team boss, you can't really say no to anyone um, unless you're funded by a, a car manufacturer and you're absolutely not for sale. Um, but in terms of sponsorship and, and and purchasing a team, I think there's always people in and around in the wings wanting to get involved and. Um, I don't think you can dismiss anyone out out of hand. What's been interesting, uh, uh, Matthew, is that we've had so many official statements coming from coming from teams at the moment in response to journalists hungry for stories. And it might seem like an obvious question, uh, you know. My question being, how much can we trust those official comments? Uh, but people on social media are very satisfied 
by official statements. So we'll get to some of the specifics later, but maybe it's because I watched, you know, too much league football in the 90s. And whenever a board gave their, their manager a vote of confidence, you could be assured that he was about to get the sack. So when you were involved in an F1 team, how, how, how was that relationship with the media? When, are, you, are you aware of the pressure of social media and people wanting that comment from you? And then you have to like just spin a line? I'm, I'm not saying you would lie to anyone, but you, know, you have to be aware of what you say. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and Chris will be very well aware of this, but the the teams are very, very well, um, they're very savvy. And and you have to realise that when they do put out official statements, nine times out of 10, there's an underlying reason for them doing that. Um, and it's not always what you're actually reading. You could be reading between the lines. Um, but yeah, I, I think more and more, and even more so since since I've left the sport, the um, social media and the and the immediacy that news gets out into the world is is really taking over. Yes, yeah, so that pause there. I'll admit it. I'll hold my hands up. Uh, I just lent my elbow on a mute button that wasn't there on my old desk, and now it's where my elbow is. So look forward to me accidentally muting myself a bit, Matt. Yeah, that's the hilarious moment where both Chris and I look at each other like, wait, did he just mention our names and we missed it? Yeah, that happens all the time. Or I zone out because you've been talking about something for five minutes and then I don't want to ask you a question in case you'd already mentioned it and I'd missed it. So I just move on to the next topic and then you're apoplectic with rage. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what other options I had. Um, So this is um, a brilliant opportunity with um, an ex F1 CEO and Someone, uh, Mr. Carter, I'm going to assume that your job is something to do with money and buying stuff. It's in that kind of shady, murky world that no one understands. Yes, that'll do. <laughs> Matt. We do have a question in the chat room about Bernie. Um, uh, Stan Bieben, or Babin, Bieben? I don't know. Pick your favorite. Uh, is Bernie playing conduit, do you think, for some of the changing ownerships of F1 teams that want to sell? Do you get any impression from him that he's involved in that way? Um, yeah, conduit is a good word, actually. I think he probably does like to to put people in touch with um, with potential buyers and potential sellers. He's 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 a very gregarious man. He's and he's and he's very he he tends to keep his uh, his contact book open at all times. So I think he'll be involved in a lot of what's going on. Um, and yeah, I think I think he probably does help help to make things happen. And speaking of things that are going to happen, it looks like we've got potentially four teams that could be looking to sell or change partnerships, whether or not they've officially denied it or not. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up a missed apex uh, investment, something. What would we call ourselves, Matthew, if we were going to be a, a some kind of investment firm? What, what would, we, would we missed apex trading, something like that? I guess, yeah, whatever whatever you want, whatever you want. Missed, Tra- Missed Apex Consortium. Missed Apex Trading Futures Consortium, because I've heard the word futures before. So, Missed Apex Futures Trading Consortium, uh, headed by me with uh, the backing of Matthew Carter and the wise PR of Chris Stevens. We're going to go out and we're going to look at one of these available teams. So, on paper, it looks like uh, Renault were in danger, and uh, certainly at one point we believe uh, courting offers from buyers. We've got Racing Point being rumoured that their owners are looking elsewhere, perhaps even at Brackley. So that's two teams 
uh, that are, are looking like they could be available. So we could also have McLaren, who seem to be on shaky ground. And of course, the most recent news, uh, Chris Stevens, is about Williams. Why don't you uh, sketch out for us what's been going on over at the Williams F1 team, Chris? Well, of course, they uh, made quite a big song and dance about this uh, new partnership with Rocket uh, just before the season started. But that already has been terminated. And uh, now it looks like the, the the words that Claire Williams never thought she would say or swore she never would say, the team is up for sale in, in some form or another, whether it's partially or fully up for sale. That's what's still to be decided. But that's a huge, huge moment for Williams uh, when you know Claire was always saying, we will never be a B team, we will not be sold. And so this is, this is quite a change of heart. So uh, I have the actual quote here from an article. Um, Asked if the company's future was at risk, if no investors were found to come on board. Uh, They said, I have every confidence that we will find the investment we need. So that's basically a yes, we're in deep trouble, correct? Uh, It almost sounds like they have something kind of lined up, uh, but they're still working out the the finer details and they're not ready to announce anything yet. Obviously, the last thing you want to do is say, this is happening before you've got all the paperwork sorted out. Um, of course, it's, it's a much more forgivable scenario than when uh, you, you, you have it all signed and it's announced and then no money actually ends up exchanging hands because that's not really your fault, but it does happen. Uh, wink, wink. No, I, I think I think that's that's pretty accurate. Actually, I'm, the interesting part of this whole story, I think, is the is the termination of the rocket sponsorship, because from what I understand, it was terminated from Williams's side, and that doesn't make any sense at the moment. Um, rocket came out immediately and said they were continuing with their other sponsorship deals in Formula E and and, and wherever else. Um, so it doesn't sound like it's a lack of money. Um, so you know, if you put two and two together and magically come up with some number, then you could suggest that maybe they're talking to someone who wants that title sponsorship. Well, surely, the, yeah, the, the point is to then free up a little bit more uh, of the team to, to sell to someone. You know, they're looking for a majority to, to sell maybe and, and getting rid of Rocket was the way to do that. Yeah, and, and, and to offer the title sponsorship. You know, if somebody comes in that wants to market their business, then they want to name the team after themselves. So, um with Rocket lingering around. Now, and again, with a little bit of knowledge on how these things work, potentially the the, the coronavirus could have affected some of the deals. Um, but normally in a contract, to terminate a contract at this early stage would cost Williams money um, because it's detrimental to Rocket. It's detrimental to that side of the of the agreement. So that it, it's all very strange, the, the Williams thing. And of course, we've had, you know, we've been here before with with Rich Energy and with Haas. But in that scenario, the sponsorship money never got paid. And I cannot, I simply cannot believe that is the case with Rocket because they are tied in with the Venturi Formula E team. They've got so many other things going on. They are a proper, proper company. And so there's definitely more going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I find myself slightly confused about this in the sense that they said, we met Williams said we met all our contractual obligations, but Rocket said uh, we would like to wish Williams well, and we're still fully committed to motorsports. So, like, what exactly? Who dropped whom in this scenario? I mean, this is like sort of a high school love debate here. I broke up with you. Now you broke up with me. Do we know what's going on? Does anyone have a backstory? No, exactly. I mean, that, that that's that's what Chris and I were just saying. I mean, it, I I don't. I honestly don't know. <laughs> Unless Williams are doing it because they've got somebody else lined up. 
that that's one that's one case. Unless the fact that there's been no racing and Rocket haven't, I don't know. There could be a clause in the contract that says if there's no races then we don't have to pay the first part of our payment. And if we don't pay the first part, you can, I don't know. You, you just never know. I mean. So, so should we then look out and see how the, how the Rocket Venturi relationship hands out if formally does get back going, for example, because of course they've had no races since January, yeah. I think, or February. Uh, yeah. Chile, was it? Mexico. I don't know. Uh, no, it was uh, Marrakesh, which I think Marrakesh. was in February. Uh, but no one can be surprised, surely, that that Williams is is struggling. So we saw them really take this kind of change of philosophy towards uh, pay drivers, uh, Sorokin, Stroll. Um, you could argue Kubica. Uh, sorry, sorry, Poland. Uh, but you you saw them change towards taking the money. So we saw a downward spiral. We saw them struggling. Uh, to get the the right leadership and technical direction, uh, saw them part with uh, uh, with um, Paddy Lowe, and Lowe. Yeah, yeah, and then one of the the real kickers, really, Matt, I think, was seeing them sell off the advanced engineering side, where you go, oh, this is like Monopoly, where you've got a hotel on on a set of of your houses, but you sell the hotel to solve a problem, but now you've you've got no revenue. That I mean, that advanced engineering was a revenue generator, not a loss. So that was a real big blow to see that go. Well, and let's do recall that earlier uh, in 2014, they sold off their uh, flywheel technology, which had been their one of their biggest business successes. It was the mechanical curves they developed uh, for the regulations wound up being put on buses around the world to help to help them save fuel. And they sold that off. And, and you just begin to wonder slightly if, in fact, uh, this is a longer downslope than we may have initially understood it to be, only because recently is when we saw the results get really bad. Well, if I remember rightly, Williams Advanced Engineering uh, did make a profit. Uh, their revenue went up in 2019 compared to 2018. Um, but it was the Formula One team that sank um, a load of money. So um, I think what the interesting thing now is, is how deep do Latifi Senior's pockets go and will he reach into them? So, um, uh, Matthew, uh, let's see. We're, we're looking at this from uh, the point of view of, of missed Apex futures trading investment. Let's assume that Williams is in the market to now sell. Um, is this a good prospect for, for a group coming in? So obviously we've got Latifi waiting in the wings but let's just put him aside for a second is williams a good buy um i think it is yes um if you if you put aside the history and the heritage for one minute and look at what you're actually buying there's really two types of team in in formula one at the moment you've got what i would consider to be the proper constructors and then you've got the they refer to them as customer teams they're not really customer teams but you know, having worked at and 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 spent time at Enstone, been to McLaren, uh, been to Williams. When you go to somewhere like a Racing Point or a Haas, it's a completely different prospect. They outsource a lot of their manufacturing. They don't have wind tunnels on site, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Williams is a proper F1 team now, with the budget cap coming in and all the changes that are happening. If customer cars are fully accepted, then it's not such a good buy. 
But that is one of the things that certainly when I sat on the strategy group, they were always arguing for was to stop customer cars. So you could stop people coming in um, that weren't necessarily manufacturing all their own parts. Well, I wonder, because there are a, a lot of companies that like to invest in, say, Formula 2 and Formula 3 teams, which, of course, you know, they're all just teams running um, a car. And if we end up um, in a uh, in a customer car situation in Formula 1, a proper one, you know, like what we've sort of had with the Racing Point copying uh, last year's Mercedes, then to me, that that's pretty much the same thing. And, you know, there's still a lot of interest in uh, people partnering with, with Formula 2 and Formula 3 teams, um, for example. So uh, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it, it might not be so bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I've, I've, I've got my own specific point of view because of, because of my background, but effectively the, the way the analogy plays out is if you go down the customer team route, you're really only going to have a Ferrari and Mercedes engined cars and everyone. So you may have four Mercedes cars, four Ferrari cars. Um, if you really follow it through properly, Williams, McLaren fall by the wayside because why would you have such a big factory? Or they don't fall by the wayside, but they become a customer team. They become a customer team of one of the other, one of the other, one of the big boys. And the big boys don't let them win. You know, we've talked at length about engine modes and settings and what you can, you can't do to a customer car. But so you then only have a Mercedes and a Ferrari that are going to win any races or any constructors. So is that what we want? Or would we like a an independent proper constructor like Enstone, we'll call it team Enstone for the time being, or like Williams um, or like McLaren, where you've then got, so you've got Mercedes, Ferrari, Red Bull, and you've also got these other teams that have got the potential to come up with something unique, to do a brawn, to do a, you know, and that still can happen. They still can make that change. Otherwise you consign yourself to, okay, Ferrari, Mercedes are going to win. The rest of you have got a squabble over where you're going to come and just be happy with that. And then you, you get this sort of two-tier formula, which it was always argued in strategy group meetings, and I think with good, with good warrant, that that's, that's not what anyone wants. You know, Having a number, of, and I know everyone can point their hand to the fact that Mercedes have won every race for, for however long. But you know, as engine and aero regulations become more static, then the rest of the teams will catch up. That's a fact. And to be fair, I think we already have a two-tier Formula One between the top three teams and the rest of the field. And this is pretty good. You know, at least those cars are actually made by the teams that are entering them. So if we were going to end up with this anyway, what we have now is pretty good. And if and if you go down to full-on customer teams, and again, we've kind of touched on this before, but at what point do Mercedes start using a B team to block a Ferrari because it's a title decider in Brazil. Um, you know, and these things will happen in Formula One. There's no, you know, nobody's naive enough to think they won't. So if Mercedes have got three other um, customer teams, you know, the the edict goes out that we don't let Charles Leclerc get past. Um, and and that, that it, it's going to happen and it's going to affect the racing. Or they could, you know, give them a secret engine mode to help hold their competitor off. Absolutely. We're thinking Petrov, of course, right? In Abu Dhabi? In the Lotus, I couldn't possibly ruining Alonso's one shot at a world championship. 
It's happened numerous times. It's happened yeah. numerous times, and and it will continue. And was it not Ocon in Monaco recently that that blocked a that blocked a Ferrari and allowed Mercedes? I mean, you know, it's going to happen. It's going to. And I've said before, even if it's subconscious, even if if you're um, George Russell driving the Williams and you see a battle coming up behind you and they're lapping you, and it's Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc. You know, you're a Mercedes employee. You're paid by Mercedes. Do you let Lewis buy a little bit easier than you let Charles buy? Of course you do. You know, that's, and that might be subconscious. It might be ruthless. It might be whatever you want to call it, but it's going to happen. And I think if the constructors, the smaller constructors start to fall by the wayside, then more and more and more you're going to see this develop into something that, which I don't think you want to see, which is, which is more of a, the, the, the top teams run away. So I think you're referring to uh, Monaco, where Ocon seemed to jump out of the way of Lewis Hamilton. That would have wrecked his race. And at that time, you know, there was pictures of Toto Wolff really being animated, seeing that Ocon was going to be there in the way and, and kind of appearing to go and just sort it out. Uh, Chris is giving a smirk. You you remember that incident as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we can get away from the fact that if we have customer teams... Uh, you are going to have some kind of of hierarchy between those teams. But at least you're going to have a full grid. I I mean, I think the alternative, Matthew, is you're you're talking about a a grid where you have like 10 genuinely competitive works teams, or not even works teams, but including privateer teams. Isn't it that that is so unrealistic that we may as well have a functioning two, three-tier system? Uh, well, yeah, it's all about, again, it's, it's kind of all about following this analogy all the way through. And yes, I agree, but it depends how small and big to an extent those tiers become, you know, whether or not the tiers are literally Mercedes and Ferrari and then the rest, or whether it's Mercedes, Ferrari, Renault, Red Bull, McLaren, and then another tier two after that, um, you know, it, it's all about trying to make it as competitive as possible and trying to, and trying to, well, at the end of the day, keep people interested. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's tricky. And that's why it took so long to get this cost cap in, in introduced. And it's taken so long to, to try and cut down on the listed parts, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this is what kind of makes it curious that Williams is announcing this now. And in many ways, I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that it has just been desperately unlucky because it looks like the budget cap and an aggressive scale down of that budget cap should be exactly in the medicine teams like Williams were, were, were hoping for. So the fact that they're not willing to hold on or they feel like they can't hold on, you know, what does that say about the situation they, they've been in? It must have been like super dire. So they've already been hanging on. They've already had a loan from uh, Latifi's dad. So I'm assuming that they really were already on the raggedy edge is the only way they survive now. In fact, what is the way they survive with Latifi coming in or Mr. Apex trading futures investment group? I'm going to continue with that, aren't you? Yes. Um, Well, I mean, Williams, Williams, and let's be frank for a minute. Excuse the pun. But they, uh, Williams have been on a downward spiral for a long, long time. So when um, my good friend Pastor won his race back in 2012, um, that was kind of a peak. And then 2013 was disastrous for them. Um, What happened was that they looked into a Mercedes engine. And I say that without, I'm I'm not going to withdraw that word. They looked into a Mercedes engine in 2014 and that papered over a lot of cracks. And it papered over the cracks in 2014, 2015. And I think 
um, this comes from a fair bit of knowledge, but also a little bit of speculation, um, that they continued down a route that they thought, you know, you imagine if you make some changes in 2012, 2013, suddenly you come third in the constructors in 2014. On paper, it looks like you've done an amazing job. What actually happened was 2014 was a disaster for all the other engine manufacturers. Let's unmute you there, Chris. I think you'll agree in 2015, they were super lucky to end up where they did in the Constructors Championship because uh, Red Bull had a disaster season uh, where they were falling out with Renault and punching blows left, right and center and uh, Force India didn't turn up with a car, proper car, until halfway through the season. So Williams' successes are, are successes because other teams failed quite heavily and they just happened to kind of bridge the gap as it were and that's and that's kind of my point and i and i think and again this this comes from a a fair bit of actual knowledge that that they felt they were on a good trajectory and as i say on paper if you just look at the results they were so they continued down that route and unfortunately they weren't on a good trajectory and when the engine started to to normalize themselves and the, you know, it, it came down to proper results and proper aero and proper downforce. Then the car was nowhere near where it should have been. And the last few seasons have seen that. And the drop-off in income from Formula One management, the drop-off in income from sponsors. Um, I mean, their Martini deal looked like a great deal at the time. But that was a terrible deal. It was why, a terrible why was that? deal. They paid, they paid nothing for that sponsorship, for that livery. I mean, they literally, they were a quarter of the price that um, we were getting from Unilever for um, collars on on our on our in uh, at Lotus. So you know they they gave away that that deal. Um, they did it because it was let's be fair. It was a, it was a cool deal for them at the time. It made them look good. It brought back the Martini livery, et cetera, et cetera. And I can understand why they did it. But they were up against a few other teams, and they really they really. They, they gave the title sponsorship away. Um, and I think there's, there's, just, there's just a catalogue of errors that have led to the position that they're in now. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, the future doesn't look overly bright there. Yeah. So what I remember from 2014 is that all of their good results came from before they started trying to do any development and only on tracks where aero <laughs> really just didn't matter yeah. at all. They were just power sensitive tracks. And as soon as they got away from that, they started to go downhill and they'd already sold off a chunk of their business just to even finance that. But what I want to ask you about is everyone's mentioning Latifi, but as Faust in the chat room reminds us that Latifi through Nadala has invested 200 million pound in the McLaren group already. So if you're Latifi, do you want McLaren now or do you want Williams? Well, McLaren's not for sale. I know, I know we said that at the top of the, at the, top of the, the show, but McLaren's not for sale. Um, the Bahrainis, the Bahrain, I mean, there's, you have to remember again, we, we kind of go back a little bit to the PR side of things and, 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 and Chris can speak at this for, for a long time, I'm sure, but they're making official statements to, to paint a picture of what, to paint a picture of themselves and where they are. I honestly think that, you know, they've used this, the situation that we're in at the moment as a, as a great way. So McLaren came out and asked the government for money. Now, they're funded by the Bahrainis. You know, the, the Bahrainis have got more money. They, they light their fire with $50 bills. So, you know, they're, they're not short of money. And McLaren came out and asked for money. You know, I understand from, I th- again, I say this a lot on here, but I think it's public. They're, they're trying to raise $500 million. 
So I think the way they're doing it is they're, they're trying to, well, they've, they've announced they're going to lay off 1,200 people, yeah. which is going to, in round figures, is going to save them half, so about 250 mil, and they're looking for another 250 mil of investment. Now, that's not saying the company's up for sale, um, and it would take a big, big turn for them to become up for sale. Um, but they've made these public statements because they're trying to, they're trying to get on the woe is me, look at us, the pandemic, we've got to lay these people off, life is bad, but if the government give us some money, then everything's going to be great. Oh, okay, I see. Because I've been reading a little bit about their latest search for financing, and, and there's some uh, controversy uh, because they're trying to use the assets there, classic cars and the technology center, but the current bondholders are apparently not happy about that. And may and have hired a lawyer at this point to ask them to not do that. So have you heard anything more about that? But you think regardless of whether or not they get it, it really won't affect their future in the sport? Uh, as usual, quite a few questions in there. Um, <laughs> the, um, their future in Sorry. the sport, no, I don't think it will affect their future in the sport. I think they, they, will, they will stay in F1. F1 was you know, where they started the road car division, uh, you know, spawned out of that. You have to remember when I left Lotus, I went and worked for Ron Dennis for six months. So Ron Dennis has got a home office. Um, well, you call it a home office, but you know it's a, it's a it's a multi million pound company that invests in technology. Um, and I worked for him for six months. And one of the things that he wanted me to do just before he left McLaren was to take. He had two of every single car that they'd run in a championship, and he wanted to set up a museum. You wanted to put one of those cars in a museum and set up a McLaren museum. Now, when he got ousted, they needed cash to pay Ron out. And they had to, they, so they, they basically sold off a lot of the family silverware then to pay Ron. So they used that money, they paid Ron off, and the company is now in a different place than it was when he was running it. All that being said, you know, they still have got some very, very wealthy owners. I think, again, I think they've used the, the current situation as a way to, to lay off some people without it looking too, too bad. Um, and they, I'm sure they're going to come out the other side of it. You know, the road car business needed to kick up the, um, the proverbial anyway. You know, they were, they were heading down a bit of a, a, a dodgy route. So I think, I think they'll come out of this much stronger. I honestly do. I think they'll be one of the big benefiters from the cost cap um, just because of the way they run their business or the way they are now running their business. And, and whilst we're, we're speculating on the strategies of, of, of survival and the financial strategies, uh, you know, let's be clear that I'm, I'm sure on behalf of Miss Apex podcast that McLaren are doing uh, the best they can for their employees in an ever increasingly competitive market and uh, a market and a, a trade group now that is ferociously competitive. Nearly every team up and down the grid seems to be looking in some way, shape or form to downsize and uh, there wasn't a lot of fight with the cost cap Matthew which is you know I'm almost surprised it went through and I'm surprised it went through as aggressively as it did because presumably they all had to agree to that uh, in some way shape or form so I guess a lot of the teams kind of going cost cap seemed like a bad thing but now we're all feeling the squeeze Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm, I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I, I, for starters, there was a lot of fighting about the cost cap. Um, <laughs> it's gone through, but, you know... Let's be realistic. So let's take, just give me, give, bear with me for a second. If you're a Mercedes Benz and let's say your budget is $300 million and you've now been told that you've got to cut that back to 145, let's call it 150 just for the sake of my numbers in my, in my simple head. Okay. So there's a number of exclusions from that, as we know. So they're currently spending 300, they're being capped back to 150. I know when, when I was at Lotus that we were spending 17% of our turnover on logistics. So that's to get around the world, to get to places, et cetera, et cetera. Again, for the simple math, let's make it 15%. And let's take that and let's assume that Mercedes is spending the same. So that's 45 million. Okay. So again, let's, let's give ourselves 5 million and round it up. That takes okay. us up to 200 million. Okay. Yeah. Then you've got Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas' wages are excluded from that. Well, we know Lewis is on $40 million. Uh, that's that's pretty public. Let's assume that Valtteri's on ten, just for the sake yeah, of this analogy. Yeah. That takes us up to two fifty. Okay. There's also marketing is excluded from that. We at Lotus used to spend about ten to twelve million on marketing. Wow. Mercedes are a much bigger bigger operation than us. So let's double that and make it twenty five. Okay. We're now at two seven five. There's also the top three executives' wages. So that's Toto and two others. Let's assume they're on a few million each. And on, on sudden, at Lotus, you of course were on. Seven figures, I believe. Peanuts. peanuts. Um, so all of a sudden, we're almost at 300 million. So they haven't actually cut anything. There's, there's no cuts. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? That's- so so the, the, the 145 for development or the 150 for development of the car is basically what they were spending anyway, because you've got Lewis on the top of that and you've got the logistics on the top of that. So, so where does the cut come? So therefore, let me just finish the point. So therefore... Why is it such a, why is, why should they argue so much? And until the point comes where we take drivers out, until the point where we comes where we take logistics out, it's not going to affect them as much as everyone thinks. That, that's what I know for, for, a, for a fact. I think that would, I'm glad you've highlighted that because I, I think that is surprising to, to most of us, Matt. I think most of us are looking at that cost cap and going, oh good, this will finally equalize the teams. But the picture Mr. Carter has painted is a, uh, is, is not as optimistic. Well, it's, it's a challenging thing. My question related to that is, if that's the case, and I, I remember I've had discussions with Summers about this, that, that the, what falls under the umbrella of the cost cap 
is really where it is now, probably around what the big teams are spending on those services. Exactly. That being the case, we see Ferrari talking about having to move personnel. We talk, we see Mercedes talking about, please give us extra time to move personnel. We see McLaren saying the cost cap is costing them Formula One jobs. How are both of these things true? Are, are we just seeing the teams use this as window dressing to do something they wanted to do anyway? Or, I mean, at this level, is it actually beginning to have the tiniest impact? I, I mean, I genu- genuinely don't know, and I'm just curious to get your opinion. I, I think the 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 change in um, the change in, in the in the verbiage that's coming from the teams is, is I think is because of the of the virus, um, and I think you have to appreciate that Ferrari as a company are being affected, Mercedes as a company are being affected, Renault as a company being affected. So I think they're using this as a as a little bit of a of a way of getting around that, and it's also it's a narrative that they want to play. They want to put out to the world that oh woe is me. You know this is terrible for us. We're going to have to lay all these people off, um, and that's a, it's a narrative that they that they're singing from the from the from the hilltops. Okay, so we're getting to our core question then. As as a trading firm, we've now covered Williams and and McLaren. Okay, let's say McLaren isn't for sale in this scenario. Latifi has looked at Williams and said, uh, "No, not for me. Uh, my boy is now off. He's decided he is going to play golf." Uh, and be a professional tap dancer, and we're going to indulge that passion now. Is that a good prospect for us as an investment firm? Are we are we putting an offer in for Williams? Because surely, in this pandemic with no races, uh, less advertising revenue, it's a less attractive prospect overall. Uh, it's got to be going cheap, hasn't it? Isn't why don't we strike? Why don't we strike now? Get a bargain and get ourselves on the back of the grid. Yeah, I, th- I think Williams is a, is a good is a good prospect. I mean, I have no idea how much money they want for it, but um, as as you say, in 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 these times, it can't it can't be too much. But yeah, I I think Williams is a good prospect. Chris, well, of course, there are loads of other like uh, implications to that decision as well. They're a back of the grid team. When are they on telly? Yeah, you know, apart from maybe the first couple of minutes of Q one, if they're the first car out on track, for example. There are all these other little bits that just sort of come into it and and adjust the price ever so slightly i mean that's a good point mr carter but as part of our negotiations are we going to say look your your screen time is limited at the moment so we're going to struggle to get investors at first basically we're doing you a favor taking it off your hands claire (laughs) yeah exactly that's that's it's it's a great it's a great way to approach it okay so you know is there something fundamentally wrong with the team like, is there something fundamentally lacking no. something? You know, it's, it's an F1 team. The, they've got all the yeah. bits. They've got four wheels. They've got steering wheels. They've got drivers. They've got everything. No, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the team at all. Um, and and it's, a, it's a very, very competitive sport, as we all know. Um, no, there's nothing wrong with the team. They just need to... Formula One teams in general run away with themselves with in, in terms of money and what they spend. And, and they, you know, they just need to put the brakes on a little bit. Um, I'm I'm not sure that Williams has been running, as I said before, the best in the last, let's say, ten years. Um, okay. I think that's affected us affected. By I mean, the that's, they, that's quite a Claire centric era. You're you're pointing to, not necessarily the very very top. Oh really? Oh okay. Well, no, that's. I mean, that's good. I mean, a lot of people are pointing the finger at, at Claire Williams, and I think it would be fair to say that you would assume that any other team doing that. Uh, badly and spiraling down in that way would have lost their team principal uh, by now. We would have had a change. And 
so you would say, well, obviously, because she is, it's part of a heritage, it's a position that has been inherited. Uh, a, that means that her job was secure. But also, like, I, I feel sorry in a way, because if you have that mindset that you want, you want it to be passed down to your, 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 your spawn, for lack of a better word, then you've only got two or three to pick from. If you want to pick from really good potential CEOs, You've got maybe a hundred, a thousand people to pick from. So I, I don't want to put the, the blame at Claire's doorstep, but you could be forgiven, Matty, for thinking, you know, what are the chances that the, the daughter or son of someone who made it into the sport as a good engineer and then kind of being part of the Bernie wave, what is the chances that their children would happen to be the right person to lead an F1 team? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a few things to unpick there. The first thing is that Frank is still the team principal. So Claire isn't of the course. team principal. She, yes. is, she, is, she is albeit but a name, but, but he is actually the team principal. Um, and it was actually Toto that pushed her forward to do it. Um, my understanding is that Frank Williams wasn't particularly keen and didn't want to, see to, wanted, didn't want to be seen to be being sycophantic. And, um, and Toto was the one that pushed her forward. And then you have to realize that she actually had, as we just discussed, albeit for a number of outstanding reasons on paper, she had a couple of very good seasons. I mean, they finished third in the constructors. Um, you just said that was a mass- fluke. Well, I, just, I mean, again, you, you go back to 14 and 15, you look, they had Valtteri Bossas and, and did, Felipe yeah. Massa as their drivers. Um, you know, that was what she picked up on. And then through circumstance and a need or whatever, you know, you come into a season and you end up with Sorotkin and Stroll. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's a different proposition in, in, in every way. Okay, so let's have a look now. Uh, We've said that McLaren, I'm gathering from your point of view, Matthew, that you think that that is, you know, that they're putting forward their case and perhaps overplaying how much they're struggling because they they want the help and they want an excuse to to slim down. So let's say then McLaren is not a viable option for us to buy. If we were having this conversation two weeks ago, we would be looking at Enstone and saying that Enstone might be a good outfit to buy. However, Renault have come out and said... Renault F1 is staying in Formula One. It's not for sale. It's not going anywhere. So that looks like a dead end for our fledgling investment group. Did that statement say Enstone, the racing team, was staying in Formula One? They said, and I quote from whichever article I found, we have said publicly and we confirmed that we remain committed to Formula One. That's what they said. Okay. So that could be... Maybe a couple of things is what you're implying there, Chris. Well, it was kind of um, a joint statement from the um, from the the, the, the wider um, corporation, you know, with Mitsubishi and Nissan as well, uh, because Nissan at the same time reaffirmed their commitment to motorsport, mainly Formula E. And so, I think this is this is a, a wider thing. We are still committed to motorsport on all fronts. So, uh, Mr. Carter, after me at the beginning of the show saying that, oh, look at those idiots on social media who take in official statements and take them to heart, I think I've been guilty of the same thing. I saw that statement and I thought, well, that's it. It's Renault F1 team. That is assured. Doors closed. But I think you are insinuating that it might not all be, uh, I don't know, smoke and mirrors, something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's a few things. Again, as, as with all these statements that have come out in the last few weeks, they, the statement was announcing that they were laying off 14,000 people, that they were hoping to save 4 billion euros over the next year. Um, so negative, negative, negative. And then in amongst it was 
but we're staying in Formula One and we're committed for the long term. So they're trying to, you know, and offsetting negatives with positives in any statement is always a, is always a tactic and they've done that very well. They 100% haven't confirmed that they're going to continue as a uh, constructor. Right. That's not been said. It's not been said anywhere. Cyril, Cyril keeps going on about the fact that he's got the backing of the board. Cyril runs Viri and Enstone. So Cyril has got the vote of confidence from the board and he's telling everyone about it. So he's basically sacked then. <laughs> well, Cyril's, had, Cyril's had the backing of the board since day one, to be fair. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's very well connected. Let's leave it like that. Okay. Okay. Well, that doesn't sound super positive. Chris? So the key thing with these sort of statements is the wording. Always the wording. Oh, his PR. And, uh, is your PR knowledge coming? Well, this, this is the thing because I have to choose my words very, very carefully. And if they say Renault is still in Formula One, they haven't confirmed whether that's the team or a power unit, or even if it's just going to be somebody else is going to make the power unit and we're just going to stick our name on it because that happened. That has happened. So it could be any one of those three things that is going to happen. But technically, that statement is still correct. Oh, you're a bunch of terrible cynics, Matt. Come on. Well, not to pile on too much here, but where is Instone? Is it in France? It isn't in France. I didn't think so. Uh, There has been a lot in these articles that I read along the way. There has been a lot of complaints from the French Union about the number of jobs in France that are being lost. And they are very much making the point that, Mm -hmm. that, that it is not a French focused recovery that Renault is currently looking at. They are not happy about this. And so if anything goes, and now I'm thinking back to Toyota in 2008, where it's much easier to let go of my Formula One team than it is to fire Japanese workers in Japan. It, 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 it really, you know, as much as they're trying to put that fire out, as someone who is vaguely skeptical from time to time of things that are said publicly, yeah, I know me. Occasionally, I actually think about stuff. Hard to believe. True. It does seem like to me that there's some wiggle room in there and that it might be awfully convenient for Renault to not be in charge when and if firings and layoffs have to go on in the Formula One unit. Well, firstly, I I want to dispel what I'm sensing as a bit of an anti-France vibe from you there, Matt. I think our French brothers across the channel would be delighted to pour some of their taxpayer money into securing jobs at Enstone. I can't, I, I just don't see where that would break down. Moving it, moving it into a positive zone. Um, Enstone is a great factory. It's a, they're a great F1 team. You know, they've got proven history there. You know, you walk in the, in the front door, you walk into where my office used to be and there's two world championships, uh, champion trophies sitting there. Um, you know, with the, with their name on it, and um, the people that work there are really committed. Um, and we, you know, we we really made great strides when when it was Lotus. And don't forget that was a split from Renault. You know, Renault owned Viri and Enstone. They split it off before they sold it to 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 Genie to to, 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 to my to my boss. Um, and then they and then they reconnected it together back in 2016. Um, so it's been done before and it can be done again. Um, and that team has been everything from Benetton, um, you know, all the, all the way through the, through the different guises to, to where it is today. So it's, it's, it's a fairly easy thing to, to lop off the, uh, to one of their arms there. You know, it, it can be done quite easily. I think the, 
the statement and the positivity that they're trying to give makes sense. And if you are trying to sell an asset, you're not going to turn around and say, well, we're pulling out of F1 because all of a sudden you, you devalue your asset. So there's also, there's also that side of things. Um, you know, and let's be honest, you know, Renault have not done what they said they were going to do. Um, and they've got all the tools to do that. Um, they may well come through, you know, the, the cost cap could well help them. It could well put them on the, on the straight and narrow. We've yet to see how they're going to replace Ricciardo. Um, I know for a fact that the, the amount of money that they spent paying his salary for these two years has not gone down well at all. No. So I think the likelihood of the Renault top brass signing off on another big wage salary is, is, is limited. Um, and I think I said the last time I was on, I, my, my understanding is that the days of those big wages for drivers are, are albeit gone, all but gone. And that comes, falls back to the previous point about Mercedes and their budget and the cost cap, because at some point the driver's salaries are going to fall into that. And when that happens, you know, you can do an awful lot of aero work for 40 million that you spend to have Lewis sitting in the car. Um, so I think the days of those big driver contracts are over. Um, Lewis is trying to renegotiate at the moment. Mercedes as a company have been told, or Mercedes F1 have been told to keep that, that company as cost neutral. Uh, that was prior to the pandemic. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts and there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of different ways that teams are going to look. I think teams are going to come out of this season looking very, very different. It's interesting to me that we're already talking about costs like that. And you caught me in the middle of a reply to the chat room. I'm, chat I'm room, stop distracting Matt. Come on. I know. It's it I couldn't help it. It was a really good comment by iHammer. It was a pun and it just totally distracted me. But we're talking about cutting costs. We're talking about cutting driver costs. How important is it going to be going forward that drivers are either self funding or bring sponsorship to the team? I mean, is 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 Renault headed back in the direction of Williams? Or are we going to get lucky in that they'll find other drivers from other driver academies who will be taking seats for them as Ocon has done uh, with Mercedes. Renault, the engine manufacturer. That was a joke. 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 I think that, um, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, as, as I said, I'll just reiterate the point. I, th- I think that the days of the big money driver, driver contracts are, are, are pretty much gone now. Um, so therefore drivers have to be creative in the way that they, put themselves forward and the teams have to be creative in the way that they take drivers on. Um, I get the feeling that's one of the reasons that Renault have taken a step back from making an announcement about their second driver. Um, that along with the fact that any potential owner could, could choose his second driver. If they did, if they did go down the route of selling, then they've got a, they've got a, a space free. And as we know, with these billionaires, with their sons, you know, one of the reasons that they want to come into formula one is to, is to put their boy into a, into a race car. So, that could be that could be a um, an option. Um, you know, there's a there's there's a, there's Mr. Mazapan out there. Um, you know, and he's actively talking about about F1 and about teams and and, and where he wants to be. So um, the driver market, I think, is going to look very very different. And I and I think that's probably why uh, a few of them jumped. Um, Science went to Ferrari on a on a fraction of what Vettel was being paid. Ricciardo's gone to McLaren on a fraction of what he was being paid at Renault. Um, we, we know that, um, you know, I think Verstappen and Leclerc were probably the last two that signed big money deals. And, and where that, 
really does ultimately lead you to is what's Lewis going to do? Um, you know, will he stay at Mercedes Benz and, and take a pay cut? Um, mm. or, or will he look to go somewhere else? Um, and what do Mercedes do? do? Do Mercedes say, okay, yeah, you know, we're, we're still prepared to give Lewis a big chunk of cash. Um, or do they look at, they've got juniors stacking up now in George Russell and Esteban Ocon. And, um, you know, what does Valtteri do? Um, I mean, I heard a rumor that, that, that Valtteri was looking to go, or they were trying to do a deal to get Valtteri back to Williams. Um, and that was going to help Williams out with a chunk of cash as well, because Mercedes were going to, were going to fund him being moved into that position. So you'd effectively have a George Russell, Valtteri Bossas kind of switch. Wait, wait, wait. How strong is that rumor, Mr. Carter? Because you've just, I mean, you've dropped a bit of a rumor bomb there. Uh, well, no, I, I, there's rumors all over the press about Valtteri talking to Renault. Okay. I mean, that's that I think yeah, I see that on those, social yeah. media almost, almost everywhere. So, um, I haven't seen a lot of Bottas to Williams. And that, I think this is a thing where you've had a conversation and then you've accidentally said it on Miss Apex, which is my favourite kind of Matthew Carter experience. I, th- I think I maybe <laughs> said Williams when I meant to say Renner. I don't, I, I t- we could, for the sake of uh, being polite, we'll say that. However, I, we'll that's catch quite, that in the edit, yeah? Catch well, that in the edit. Oh, definitely. Steve, Steve, don't. Let it, let it through, let it through. Chris? Where would that come on the, uh, on the cost cap? funding another team to take their driver well it's done the the way that mercedes do all those deals is with the engine payments so the engine the engine supplier obviously is separate to the f1 team so it's it i mean again i mean i obviously didn't operate when there was a cost cap in place but my understanding is that the cost cap doesn't apply to the engine at the moment doesn't apply to the engine manufacturers so if mercedes if williams pay so we we paid mercedes 25 million um, for the for the Mercedes engine in the in 2015, so they turn around and they say, if you take George Russell at Williams, then you only have to pay us 15 million. Right. If you take George Russell and Valtteri Bottas, maybe it's maybe it's gratis. Um, you know, you, it's just it it's moving numbers from column A to column B basically, and uh, and 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 keeping everyone happy. Um, and that's one of the reasons that Toto got so upset. At Cyril for going back on the Esteban Ocon deal to Renault last year um, because it was all they, they'd put all the pieces in place um, and Toto wanted George to be at Williams and Esteban to be at Renault and his his little brood of people all to be uh, all to be in, in, in teams Matt to be fair if Botas goes to Renault you can't really do much with the engine prices for Renault however Botas at Williams <laughs> is an interesting Interesting, interesting benchmark for Russell. But what I wanted to get back to was Hamilton. If you were going to talk to Hamilton, if I was Mercedes and A, I'm not a businessman and B, I might have drunk more of this whiskey than I anticipated by this point in the show. Oh, drinking on Mist Apex. Unbelievable. Would you not just say to him, okay, we can no longer afford 40 million a year, but what we can do is give you more liberty in getting your own personal sponsors on board to support you. And if I'm Hamilton, and if I'm Mercedes, do you want this to end before they win one more championship than Schumacher did? Please answer all 17 of those questions in order. Okay, so I had a conversation with um, Sergio Perez back in 2014-15. Goat. And he was... was annoyed 
that he couldn't focus and concentrate on his racing because he was having to run around and find sponsors in Mexico to help to fund his his participation in the sport. So in answer to your question, I don't think Lewis sees himself as a sponsor finder. I think he I think there's going to be a clash of heads there. And I honestly don't don't know which way it's it's going to come out because it's it's um rock and a hard place. I mean literally more freedom for him to accept money from people who aren't direct Mercedes sponsors as well. Yeah, but he's got to go and look for that. He's yeah. got to go, you know, what's he I mean it's not just going to come out of the uh does he though? I mean, he's Lewis Hamilton. I'm sure like if he opened his mail, there would be more than a few people offering him money to use his name and or likeness on, you know, vegetable juicers and who knows what kind of products, right? But as, as you just said, he's Lewis Hamilton. You think he's going to be happy with having his name on a bloody milk carton? Perhaps, but look, there's a, there's a more fundamental question here, which is we're talking about, a, you know, a huge shift between the superstar driver and... I'm not going to say an illusion, but the, the the thinking that, you know, a big name driver will really make a difference on the track. And as Mr. Carter alluded to earlier, Daniel Ricciardo's $40 million wages, that's a hell of a lot of aero development that you could do there. So if we are seeing, as Mr. Carter says, the end of big name contracts, as the cost cap would perhaps lean to, uh, because that is a, you know, it's a big, a big cost outside the cost cap, uh, is that the place where Mercedes say we're going to use our power to spend forty million on a on a sorry Hamfosi, me included, an aging Lewis Hamilton who is probably still very good, has probably peaked, is probably on a slow decline, uh, physically fit, of course, or do you bring in just the next rookie on the on the treadmill every single time? Invest a, a fraction of Lewis Hamilton's wages in your youth development and have fresh rookies off the treadmill who can who can still be there more or less Matt but you know you're not spending 40 million on them and really how much slower is that next superstar driver off the treadmill going to be than a 38 year old Lewis Hamilton I mean the the honest answer is and it's probably not the sexy answer but I would anticipate Lewis signs a one year deal um Whilst the driver wages are excluded from the cost cap, Mercedes are going to continue to pay him because it makes sense. But however much, it's going to be smaller than it is now, but I'm sure he manages to bring them back what 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 it, what it he costs them. Um, and at some point in the not too distant future, driver salary is going to be included in the cost cap. And then that smaller deal is going to turn into a minuscule deal. Okay. And in the chat room as well, Clappers points out, of course, brand awareness. But I want to get back on focus for this show. The, the, the aim was to find us a team to buy. So we're looking at Endstone, and I think with our budget, Matthew, that we're probably not going to be signing a big name driver, okay? We're going to go for, we're, we're going to, from my championship manager on PC experience, football manager, I believe now the kids call it, um, we're going to bring in some exciting youth, okay? So we're going to look at our youth uh, academy program and, and also sign Perez because he's the GOAT. Uh, so Endstone, it's going to be a bit more expensive than Williams, but are, what are we doing? What, are we looking at Endstone seriously as a prospect? As you've said, there's great people there. They've won two world championships. They've been a, a stalwart of the midfield, which is not an easy thing to do in Formula One. So they've obviously got a great setup there with great personnel. It's a bit more of a premium brand. Uh, do we buy it? Do we invest in Endstone? How's it looking, Mr. Carter? 
I think I think of the teams we've talked about so far. Enstone, Team Enstone is 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 a good prospect um, for a lot of the reasons that I said. You know, they've they've got um, um, back in 2016, they had one of the best wind tunnels um, in Formula One. Um, Renault invested a lot of money in it the first time round. They've got a great CFD. They've got a great manufacturing shop. You know, they've got a great driver in the loop simulator. Um, you know, they've got all the component parts to be a a really good competitive team. Um, so yeah, I mean, of of the teams that we've spoken about so far, um, so McLaren. I mean, McLaren is a, is a, if McLaren were up for sale, it would be a that would be a great option. Um, Williams is a good option. Um, Enstone probably the best of the three, I would say. But then I'm I'm slightly biased because I've got some history there. Um, the teams that don't make any sense to me to for anyone to buy are the likes of Haas. Um, Racing Point, um, even Toro Rosso, um, those, those those teams are are just the teams that are kind of where they are, and they're not going to move anywhere. Um, oh, so you're move. you're saying if you if you okay, so if you look at Williams, we're probably looking to strive to get off the back of the grid. If we look at Enstone as a Mist Apex Investment Futures Trading Inc., are we looking to go from the midfield and actually drive forward, and we're looking for podiums and the odd win? and eventually go for it. Like, is Enstone actually a little bit out of our league? Is it too expensive from an investment point of view? Well, no, you see, this comes back to a point that I've made numerous times. Um, you've got you've to pick your battles and you've got to decide what you want to do. Now, in terms of, of what we did at Lotus at Enstone, we took a team that was losing hundreds of millions of dollars and we made it, we made it cash neutral. You know, we, we broke even um, and we were competitive. And the way that we did yeah. that was by running it properly. It was with good management. It was with good people. It was with um, whatever we, we're going to say. Um, and all joking aside, you know, Roman and Pasta, Roman was very good for the setup of the car. Pasta was a quick driver. Um, and when we teamed that team Enstone and we put a Mercedes-Benz power unit in the back of it, all of a sudden we propelled ourselves forward. And I think I said on one of these podcasts, I was flabbergasted when I looked at Canada 2015, I think we qualified sixth and seventh. Um, you know, we got the podium, we, we finished third in Spa that year. So, you know, we were with the team of people that were at Anstone and on a, not on a shoestring budget, that's not fair, but on a budget that made sense, on a budget, on a budget that stacked up where we weren't, we weren't bringing new aero to every track and throwing it in the bin because we tried it on Friday afternoon and it didn't work. We were, we were properly running that as a proper business. And I believe that an F1 team can do that. So that's a long-winded way of saying to you, you're not necessarily going to buy Enstone and challenge Mercedes-Benz and Ferrari. You're going to buy Enstone and you're going to secure yourself in that midfield, which is great. You're still in Formula One. You're still going to get sponsors because sponsors want to be associated with Formula One. You're still going to get people that are going to want to bring sponsors to events. They're going to want to come and be a guest of Team Mist Apex at the Montreal Grand Prix. Hell yeah. you know, you're still going to have all that. You're still going to have, and if you can have that and it be a break-even stroke semi-profitable business, then why would you not do that? And I get it's a sport and everyone's striving to win, but you've got to pick your battles. Listen to the passion there, Chris. I mean, that is undeniable. I, I vote. I vote. My vote is with Enstone so far, Matt. It's almost like he has a plan to do this. But moving on, Chris Stevens. Well, I feel like we we all forget sometimes whether it's with teams, or sponsors, drivers, whatever it is. 
the goal is to be in Formula One. Doesn't matter whether you're front of the field, back of the field, middle of the field, whatever. You're in Formula One, and that's the big, big pull factor. It's just being there. The, the finer details—that's all. You know, comes and goes. No, exactly. No, one hundred percent, and that is the point. And I think I think sponsors and people being associated with the team love. Well, when we were at Lotus in 2014, we were terrible. We were at the back of the grid. But the guys from Microsoft, when they came to Austin on Saturday and they watched qualifying in the in the paddock club, they weren't sitting there and thinking, "Oh, this is terrible." You know, the Lotus. <laughs> when they went into the back of the garage and they watched the car being started up, when they you know, anyone that's walked into a Formula One team garage, and that can be anyone from Mercedes all the way down to bloody Manor when they were, when they were in the sport. You know, the, 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 the feel in the garage, the energy in the garage, you know, the noise, the, the, the passion is, is, is mind-blowing. I, I think what Mr. Carter is saying, Chris, is that, you know, describe the worst ever cheesecake you had. Still bloody brilliant. Yeah. And like, uh, cheesecake those, is a substitute, um, by the way. There were those uh, Mauricio or, or Mana cars that were up for sale at the beginning of the year, one of them, two of them. Are you not going to buy it just because it was at the back of the grid? No, it's a Formula One car. If you could buy it, you would. I hammer in the chat has the very concise question, exactly how many Patreons are needed to buy Endstone? Okay, let's... Not, um, that's... not many. <laughs> well, okay again i mean we're talking prices um the, the pandemic i'm sure has affected the price of all teams so if they were to get out uh this is you know this is a i'm not saying vultures are circling but this is a good time if you were looking at uh, an f1 team and you had cash to spare and time to wait to make that investment up it's a good time to buy uh, well, yeah i mean it's i i, I think williams are going to have um a number of people, of people floating around, interest, interested in potentially buying into them. Uh, Trumpets, did you have a, a point there? Sorry, pal. No, 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 no. I was, I was just, I was just uh, chat rooming away. Oh, you, Chris Stevens. I'll tell you what. Look at it this way, right? Part of my job, while we're under lockdown, there's no sport going on. For example, is that is to uh, is to try and attract eight new fans, but also new partners, new potential partners, new sponsors. The whole point of you know taking advantage of this pandemic is to reach new audiences, and that's why the esports thing kind of works as well because that is really helping us reach new audiences. But we need to go like further beyond and say, look, when this gets going again, come with us. And if you are an esports fan, come and check out Mist Apex's offering this Friday, eight PM UK time. We are driving our Formula Renault 2.0s virtually round the uh, Nurburgring GP circuit. It's a horrendously challenging circuit. Touch the brakes and your toast. And annoyingly, in our early practice sessions, Matt Trumpets whisper it. It's a dream so fragile. You must only whisper it. Matt Trumpets is faster than me and that doesn't look like it's going to change and i took my first laps around that in that <laughs> car track combination today to to add a little bit of extra insight into the commentary which will definitely add to your commentary you and chris catman turner have been fantastic on the live chat i think matt i you know I'll, I'll keep saying it i'm so proud i'm so proud of the broadcast steve amy puts together i'm proud of the racing standards and I'm proud of the commentary team, the organisation, um, Sam and Richard helping us put it all together. 
I I'm just I want everyone to go and check it out. Missed Apex Motorsport on YouTube. You really should. It's some of the better some of the best racing that you really can catch when we're not actually out with real cars on real tracks because people really want to win. They drive carefully and the production values are amongst the best that I have seen from all of the esports offering. It's the best. Let's say it's the best. It's definitely the best. It's better than the Formula One one for sure. Okay, oh. enough, enough, enough indulgence. Enough indulgence in our esports effort. We've had so much fun. Uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Carter. Uh, I think he is he is giving a, a preference to Enstone at the moment, but there's probably a, you know a couple of of other options which will give us an excuse to talk about other news items as well. But firstly. Uh, uh, Mr. Carter, you're a man of wealth. If you can afford Enstone, you can afford uh, a, a racing sim setup. And uh, I would invite you to come and race with us, except you've got a teeny tiny baby, and they're terrible and take up all your time. Exactly. Yeah, Matt. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm not. I'm not one for. Um, what about karting? Sports? Could we? We could tempt you karting though, couldn't we? Yes. When I said to you before, when you come to Montreal, then I'll happily participate in a okay, event. Okay, good. Uh, we'll work on a vaccine for COVID-19 and then we'll be you right You were supposed to be there. coming this year, weren't you? I were think you, I, we would, no, right, we were before the, the lockdown happened. We obviously, we had the, the Buckmore Park event that we've missed, uh, that was uh, that was on uh, at the back end of April. Um, and yes, the next event would have been a North American trip. We have people this lined week. up. Yeah, I've got a list of names of people who want to be involved and who wanted to be involved. Uh, we were talking to three tracks in North America. And yes, the second we possibly can, Miss Apex will go over to, uh, to North America and do a karting event. If we have money, though, because there was a question in the chat room about how much it would take to get Miss Apex on a Formula One team. When you were CEO of, of Lotus F1, how much money in a brown paper bag would I have had to have come to you with to get the smallest TV visible Mist Apex M somewhere on your car? Um, oh, it's, it's, it's such an open-ended question I because know. it's um, any sponsorship deal that's done these days, it's, to be honest, the very, very smallest part of the contract is about what's on the car. So it's all about what, what what falls in behind it you know what sort of social media rights you're going to get what uh, rights for yeah. maybe a driver to come and and, and do a and um, a performance we or, would have said to, uh, on our podcast that maldonado was the greatest uh unlocked potential on the grid like i would have got rid of all my integrity i would have definitely sold out i would have said that for a cheap deal on uh, a logo on the car how's that well, it, but in answer to your question i mean it, it's fairly easy to work out because especially if you take the, the new cost cap deals. So let's assume that the teams get, as we did at Lotus, approximately 50% of our revenue came from sponsors and 50% came from Formula One. Um, and we were in or around $120 um, million. So that's 60 million. So all your sponsorship needs to raise you 60 million. Um, that includes title sponsorship all the way down. So you can have a small logo on a car for a few hundred thousand for the whole season. You could have a, you could have a small logo on a car. Is that, um, is that all? Okay. Right. The way up to, I mean, a, a rear wing, um, which is one of the, the better areas. Yeah, of course. So um, we had, well, actually we had, because we had Venezuela on the back of our rear wing, which was part of the Pasta Maldonado deal. Um, but if you look at the rear wings, a, a rear wing would, these days would approximately be about a million. 
about a million dollars would okay. get you the rear wing of a car. And that's, and that's very, very visible. You know, yeah. to a brand, it's, it's, it's a very visible, especially if you're, um, so if, if Team Mist Apex is uh, at the back of the grid, every time Lewis comes up to lap us, yeah. then uh, there's going to be a good shot of our rear wing. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, okay, so, I mean, when you look at someone, okay, uh, that's obviously just a small, uh, you know, uh, a part of the car. But how about when it's something like uh, BWT with, um, with Racing Point Force India or Rich Energy? How much to change the livery of your car? So you've bought End- Endstone. Uh, you have a um, an unliveried car, and we come to you now saying we want the big M on both sides. We want Mist Apex everywhere. We want your car to be predominantly red and white because we are your new partners. It is it is Carter F one Mist Apex. So um, <laughs> the big the big deals the the title sponsorship. So um, Williams Martini Racing, Petronas Mercedes AMG, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. They're something in the region of fifteen to twenty million dollars. Okay. I would say would be would be what they would pay for 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 that. And that and that is to be you know the the title sponsor of the team. Okay, well, let, let, let's finish up um, on uh, moving towards the front of the grid and some of the rumours around Mercedes and Racing Point. Now, be aware, guys, I do want to stick to our one-hour time limit, okay? I'm very, very passionate about timings, efficiency. I'm an ex-military man. We run this like clockwork. Think of this as a drill manoeuvre. Who am I kidding? Matt's got plenty of whiskey. He's managed to go and... How did you get resupplied with whiskey? You had run out. Well, you know, it, it's kind of like endurance racing. I had a careful look at my glass before I walked into my office and said, you know what? I should just add a little bit more to the tanks before I roll on in here. Nice. <laughs> it's wise. I, we need your wisdom in times like this. Um, so let, let's look at, uh, you know, these um, news stories. Chris, uh, look look to you to unpack the, the media side of it. Um, basically, the news story came out and uh, it went everywhere. The Toto Wolf was leaving, was leaving Mercedes. Summers tagged me in a tweet, Matthew Summerfield, motorsport.com. So I lazily then retweeted it, claiming that my prophecies of Stroll, future world driver champion, were basically confirmed because Lawrence Stroll was about to buy Brackley. Apologies for that. That was a lazy retweet with no research whatsoever. However, I think I am fairly upfront, whether it's prediction, knowledge, or or just speculation. But that that occupied the news cycle for a good day. Yeah, and uh, well, it's just been an odd week, hasn't it? Really, because there's been one story after another, and obviously big news um, today as well about reverse grids, which we might get into uh, later if we have time or next week. Um, but it's 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 funny how everyone's just playing musical chairs at the moment, isn't it? It's like when F1 restarts again, the music stops. And if you haven't got your, your seat, then, then you're out. And, and it's not just drivers playing it. It's everyone playing it at the moment. Team principals uh, and everyone, for the whole brass. Uh, who was the, the journalist? Because it, it all came back down to one source, didn't it? This, this, Ralph this... Bach. Ralph Bach. I think that's right. Mm. And not always the most dependable of source. Okay. So most of the internet, though, went hook, line, and sinker for that, uh, Mr. Carter, uh, the, that this was the end of Toto's reign at Mercedes, which uh, which then opens the door for Brackley. Uh, you know, Daimler are going to sell up. Lawrence Stroll is going to buy Brackley. That's going to become Aston Martin. Uh, and then, again, official statement 
Mercedes came out and said, no, that is rubbish. Toto is committed to the thing. He's our guy. We're in F1, blah, blah, blah. So I'm starting to feel in black. Let's let trumpets get in first. Trumpets, I am now, I'm damaged by the Renault sent statement. And uh, now I don't believe Mercedes either. Well, when you look at what they said, quote, it is our intention, our clear intention to continue competing in Formula One as a Mercedes-Benz works team in the years to come and to do so with our managing partner, Toto Wolf. Well, in one hand, you're like, okay, but then you begin to think about the actual words. Do they mean Aston Martin Mercedes-Benz? Let's go to Mr. Carter. Toto Wolf as managing partner, does that mean Toto Wolf is team (laughs) principal? Well, definitely that does not mean that. And so this is where it starts. This is where reality starts to warp and bend. And a lot of this is often a company response to what they see in the news. So who knows what was going on? But once we see it, much like Schrodinger's cat, we know if it's dead or if it's alive. Well, uh, Matty C, cart dog. No, I was trying. I was trying it again. It's not going to work, is it? Look, you know, are, are we being now too cynical about the Mercedes statement? It it seems clear that Mercedes was saying those rumours are rubbish. We're here to stay. Nothing's changing. I think, and I, and I've said this repeatedly. I think Mercedes are 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 here to stay. I don't, I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, the idea that Lawrence Stroll, after buying one F one team, would turn around and buy another F one team is I think is a bit fanciful to say the least. Um, I, I, I really can't see, I can't see that, that, go, that, that, that angle at all. Um, with regard to Toto, you have to remember that a lot of deals were done based around the Concord agreement. And, and my understanding is that Toto's contract comes to an end either the end of this year or the end of next year. And the contract that he signed with Daimler, and again, this kind of falls back to similar to Lewis. He signed an incredible contract with Mercedes-Benz. And he bet a lot of his chips on the fact that they would win multiple world champions. And Daimler didn't seem to think they would. (laughs) And the multiplication of his bonus based on the number of um, world championships that he won (laughs) means that Toto... He's a very, very wealthy man now. Um, he's a very active uh, investor in technology businesses. He's got a lot of other things going on. My gut feeling um, and just my opinion is I think they are in the process of renegotiating Toto's contract. Um, and I think they're not seeing eye to eye. I think probably Toto thinks he's worth what he was worth before, which he is. Um, and I think Daimler are maybe looking at it and saying, much like they are with Lewis Hamilton, much like everyone is reassessing everything in the world at the moment. Maybe they're thinking, you know, do we need Toto in this position or do we move him to a slightly different position? He didn't attend a race last year, I seem to remember. Um, maybe maybe they, when he didn't attend, was it Brazil last year? I, don't, I think he, he didn't go to yeah, Brazil last year. That's right. Maybe they realised that, you know, he can manage the team from home and they could have other people on the ground. I don't know. You know they could be uh, any one of a number of things. How did, uh, how did Brazil go? Yeah, well. <laughs> Trump is. I had nothing well, to do with him. Let's not forget that Mercedes has now replaced Andy at Aston with their very own man, and they own a big chunk of Aston. But to me... Yeah, no, Lawrence did the, the hiring and the firing there, not Mercedes. Okay. Uh, but it was a Mercedes uh, CEO. It was a Mercedes guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so it looks like they're trying to strengthen that tie, however it winds up playing out. But the question I had for you is one of the biggest rumors that we are seeing right now is that is Vettel to Mercedes. And to me, Vettel to Mercedes does not track at all with Aston taking over Brackley. Because why would you want Vettel trying to sell cars to to England? No, exactly. I, don't, I, I genuinely don't. Th- I think if there's one rumor I can quash, which could come back to bite me badly, it's <laughs> okay. anything to do with Lawrence taking over at Brackley, Aston taking over at Brackley. I think Brackley remains Mercedes-Benz. And whether it's neutral funded or negative funded or they rely on sponsors or whatever, the team that they've built there, which goes back to the Braun days, et cetera, et cetera, is going to remain. And it, it will remain the Silver Arrows the amount of marketing dollars that they've made from their participation in Formula One, you know, is incredible. You know, they've basically turned Mercedes-Benz from being an old man's estate car into being the cool and the hip AMG car that, that, that everyone wants. So I don't think they're going to step away. That, that, that's the first point. Um, with regard to their their in their involvement in Aston Martin, they've always been closely linked with Aston Martin. Aston Martins have got Mercedes engines, um, so there's always been that close link there. And again, we're talking at two different levels. You're talking car manufacturer against F1 team, um, and I think that they will they will continue to be involved in Aston Martin. But the two F1 teams, I don't think the the two worlds will collide. So hilariously, when you mentioned Braun, it just made me think that Braun took over Honda's old team. So technically, Mercedes is just simply running Honda's old team and just doing a really good job with it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, for one, can't possibly imagine uh, Lawrence Stroll buying his son another F1 team. I want to pony. And I want to now. <laughs> I mean, we totally can see Lawrence Stroll buying Mercedes and buying Brackley should uh, Mercedes ever choose to leave the sport. So we're getting positive noises. And I would say that their their statement about Toto Wolf and their involvement in F1 on the surface of the conversation we've had today does seem to be more positive and more assured and more watertight than, Matt, what we heard from Renault, which we've been able to pick a lot of holes in. Yeah, no, no, I, I, would, I would tend to agree. And here's the thing, what it comes down to me with me, when I look at this, when I look at all these possible permutations, is Hamilton has a chance to beat Schumacher's record. And if I'm Mercedes, I, I don't know why I would let that chance go, because the amount of marketing gold in that could not be bought for any amount of money. And if I'm Hamilton, the exact same thing happens. So it's hard for me to see anything changing with that relationship, no matter how hard it is to get to an agreement point now until after that record goes. Once that record goes, I think it could all be up in the air. Guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Missed Apex Podcast. We've run 90 minutes, and I think at this point, what we'll do is we'll ask Mr. Carter if he would come back another time. It's been a classic Carter news show, just a bit of admin for us here. We're continuing to go every Sunday during the course of the lockdown, so stay tuned to us here, 8 p.m. UK time, we're currently UTC plus one. You can join us live here by searching for Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube, or you can search for um, Missed Apex Podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Subscribe to us and get us delivered to you every week. We exist and we can still do this, even though there's no F1 uh, going on. 
because of the people who support us via patreon.com forward slash missed apex do that get an ad free feed join us in our slack community and get the extra podcasts that me and matt put out or if you're not a fan of the recurring payments we owe a massive debt of gratitude to the people who have been using the tip jar on our homepage at missedapexpodcast.com and had we not had the flurry of tip jar um contributions that we've had since lockdown started we wouldn't have been able to upgrade in the way we just have done and in fact it would have been a lot harder just to replace the equipment that had broken so thank you so much to everyone that has given uh, that has given uh, uh, their support to us here uh there is um, a new feature coming up because of this upgrade we are able to take calls so in future shows, uh, be prepared that we may be asking you to... We will be able to take live cell phone calls and live Zoom calls as well. And what we're thinking of doing is uh, midweek, even during the lockdown, we'll have our regular Sunday show, uh, but then two of me, Matt or Chris will get here in the shed on a Monday afternoon as well and we'll have a pure call-in show where the discussion is dictated by your questions. So that will only work if you guys are up for it. We're quite excited by that prospect, Chris. Yeah, and you know if I'm on the show the whole time, I'm just going to be jamming out to that awesome jingle. Well, you have to say it's a talented bunch of folk behind that jingle, but do please turn your phone on when asked to do so if it's safe and legal if you're not driving and if there's only one person from a different household at a distance of 13 meters and they don't have a shotgun or a rabbit's foot very important very clear no doubts there uh, guys we're going to wrap up here uh, i think we're going to do a comment of the week mr carter would you be up for judging said comment of the week of course okay eyes down bingo as we play Comment of the week. Comment of the week. Oh, do you know what? That last from comment of the week sounds a lot like the one from Turn Your Phone On, Matt. It kind of does. Almost like an amazing singer, musician was behind all of it. All right, let's get the painful 20 candidates for comment of the week out of the way. Come on. Well, as you know, at the top of the show, it is very clear the rules do not allow people like iHammer. But you're going to read them out anyway. Ever, even though the stream hasn't started yet. And our brand new listener, Deatrix Muntz, I finally made a live show. Great to see you guys. Wow, Aye. I bet you're a handsome devil. Are immediately disqualified. But thank you. Nonetheless, I do appreciate it. Giving you the power to decide comment of the week is easily the worst thing that has happened to the back end of the show. It was a terrible, terrible choice, and I enjoy every it's second. Bad leadership. Terrible. Uh, Mirror 303, if I, I am rumored to be involved in a Haas F1 takeover, I'll call it Hans F1. Okay. And uh, by the way, we do want naming rights when the Missed Apex Investment Finance Trading Futures Group uh, eventually does buy one of these teams. Uh, Stuart Neal, Mummy, I want a pony. Daddy, I want a Williams. Well, there's a lot of them. And, you know, we might we might be getting into that into a zone where only teams with billionaire backers, you know, can can stay in F1. Our friend I hammer with Hazed Apex F1. Is that a pun? Yeah. 
like right. missed apex only with haas in the middle of the no, world they can't win no no puns puns are puns and, are and i'm sorry michael diesel hall for it's a claire signs of the time <laughs> okay that's quite funny but no still no i sticking to my guns uh goost is in with martini sponsor gone the team was shaken but not stirred love it dad joke so plus two for dad joke <laughs> uh we'll give i hammer another chance with at Mark Skid, who had trouble with his caps lock all chat long, might have to introduce a caps cost. No, he's referencing one. his own. No, 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 terrible. No, no, no. can't win. No. And why, I'm not the judge, actually. Mr. Carter is the judge, so that's fine. And finally, we have DJ Optam in with another variation on our theme of Williams. Williams, the musical, will end shaken, stirred dirty, and sold on a low just before the curtain call with no reprises. Wow, Mr. Carter, I'm sure you were taking notes throughout that whole process. <laughs> Who would you like to declare the winner? I think the uh, the James Bond martini shaken, not stirred one. Who was that, Matt? That was Goose with martini sponsor gone. The team was shaken. But not stirred. Comment of the week. Our first time winner, I believe, Matt. Could be. Uh, should I call it conversation now just to keep up our record? No, don't don't reference mistakes you made two weeks ago that only you remember. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Do follow us on social media. Uh, you can be friends with me and Matt on Facebook. We're old. We do Facebook. Search for Richard Reddy and for Matt Trumpets there. Uh, or you can follow us on Twitter at SpannersReady at MattPT55, the show at MissedApexF1. Chris! Uh, the much better handle on his uh, Twitter now is at Chris on racing. It used to be at C underscore C Stevens underscore F1 underscore motorsport underscore journal, but he changed it because of us. So now it's just at Chris on racing. Matthew Carter is finally going to join Twitter. I've already joined Twitter. Yeah, but you've got a lock to count so that it doesn't count. It doesn't count. No, I don't know. How can I go on Twitter and call you a git face like so many people do to me. I can't. (laughs) I tell you what, though, (laughs) one of the most enjoyable uh, evenings we've had in Slack was when you dropped into our Slack group for half an hour and didn't ask me anything. That was great fun. Can I persuade you to do that again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was quite fun. People enjoyed that. Good. Guys, this has been sort of successful. I've put a new bit of hardware in the shed, and you've been able to hear all the words that I've said. So that is for me counting as a win. We'll probably see you next Sunday for Missed Apex podcast, but you can tune in to me and Matt on the Remain Indoors podcast on Tuesday and Thursday this week at 2 p.m. UK time. We're going to have our musical guest Liam Taylor on on Tuesday and try and get some science with Dr. Andrew Holding on Thursday. But wherever we see you next... Be brave, because wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. Okay, Matt, what was the chat room distracting you with this time? Are we off the air? No, most definitely not. 
Okay, then it's a sponsor name, but it's a not safe for work sponsor name. Okay, so. why would you <laughs> react so animatedly to something hilarious. that you, But if you're waving your arms about, laughing, guffawing, slapping your thigh in a pantomime way, I'm going to say trumpets. What's that thing? What's that super exciting Fine. thing that you're you excited about? You want to know what about? it is? No, I don't, Matthew because it's going to be a sweat. Dad Hub Williams F1 team. Dad Hub oh, Williams. Really Dad Hub. Oh, okay. But uh, it wasn't Dad Hub. You know. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what, the chat room are loving that. There we go. Chat room are loving that comment. Oh, they can't stop. And actually, with Matthew Carter's brick background, <laughs> that goes really well. Oh, uh, new toy syndrome. New toy syndrome. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.